Warren Sunwest, uh, welcome to our Good Friday service. I know it's a little bit of a different kind of season, but uh, this morning we're just going to uh, focus on two stories. I've got two stories I want to share with you. One about my friend, uh, and then one about my other friend uh, named Jesus. And, I, and so I invite you to join us. We're going to have a few songs of worship first, uh, and then I'm looking forward to sharing with you. Yeah. 
A couple of years ago, I was sitting at a Tim Hortons uh, with one of my friends, and uh, this friend of mine owns a couple of 
Tim Hortons and we were sitting here talking and as uh, as we were talking uh, the table starts moving as we put our our drink down and it's wobbling and uh, and this friend of mine uh, takes the stuff off the table he's, he's like he entrusts me he says just just a second moves the stuff off the table uh, turns the table on its side and uh, and then proceeds to fix the legs of the table and then once he fixes the table we, we set it back upright and it's stable and we uh, put our coffees back on and we continue our conversation uh, like nothing ever happened and that image is stuck with me because I just think this uh, this guy who owns the Tim Hortons uh, is doing something that uh, anybody could do. In fact, maybe one of his employees could do. Maybe uh, you know one of the people that was on the bottom of the the food chain in terms of the Tim Hortons hierarchy. That might be the person that should come and fix the table. But something struck me in that moment where uh, where this friend of mine wasn't operating as an employee, he wasn't operating as a hireling, uh, he was operating as an owner. He was operating as someone who cared about what was happening. Uh, he cared so much that he was the one that was willing to flip it uh, and fix it. And I realized in that moment that there was no task for this owner, this friend, that was beneath him, that was below him. As I reflected on that story over the last couple of years, it, it brings to mind another story. In John 13, uh, Jesus is having a last meal with his disciples. They're sitting around a table, one a little bit larger than this, uh, so they could all fit. And, and they're having a meal together, a Passover meal. And they're, uh, they're breaking bread and they're, uh, they're having drinks and they're having food uh, together. And Jesus, in the course of that meal, gets up. And this is what the text says in John 13, that he gets up that he takes off his outer garment. And then he takes a towel and he puts it around his waist and he fills a basin with water. And he begins to wash his disciples' feet. Now what's fascinating in that culture is that washing somebody else's feet is something that even servants wouldn't do. There were servants in that culture all over the place. Uh, But even servants wouldn't stoop down to wash another person's feet. That was seen as below even the function of a servant. Nobody would wash your feet. But here Jesus gets up, begins to wash his disciples' feet. And John, uh, before chapter 13 and chapter 1, he makes an important point that basically frames the entire book of John. He said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word came and made his home among us. And what John wants us to see is that Jesus is not just a teacher. Jesus is not just a great rabbi. Jesus isn't just a leader of some disciples. uh, That Jesus is actually God himself with flesh on. God himself who comes to earth to wash feet, something that wasn't even acceptable for a servant to do. And all of this begs the question, if Jesus is God, what is God like? If Jesus is God, what does this act tell us about what God is like? You see, I think there's, there's two different gospels, two different ways of talking about the good news that we see in the life and story of Jesus. And I've heard one version of it that goes something like this, that, that God 
is all-powerful and is somewhere off in the distance. Uh, and he wanted to make things right, so he sent his servant, he sent his employee, he sent his son down to earth to do the dirty work, to do the things that were beneath him because he was so holy and powerful. And then when the, when the son had done all of that, uh, then maybe uh, some of those, uh, those people could come and visit the boss, the employee, this all-powerful one at the top of the ladder in his corner office. There's a second story uh, that I think is more true to Scripture, more true to what we see John saying, and that Jesus, this God, this boss, so to speak, left heaven, left his corner office, this all-powerful one, and Philippians 2 says, gave up his rights as God, and John 1 says, became flesh and made his home among us. Came into this world and did something that many people would say was beneath him. And not only did he just wash the disciples' feet there on that Thursday, but the next day, he would descend even further. He would descend even further, not just to washing their feet with water, but he would wash their sins with his blood. What is God like? Is God up there somewhere else in heaven, in his corner office, who sent his son, his hireling, to do the dirty work so he didn't have to? Or is Jesus God with flesh on? Because if he is, then it changes everything. In the Christian doctrine, we talk about the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, how they're all one person. And, and something wrong happens when we actually break apart the person of God and we separate God the Father from God the Son. If Jesus is God with skin on, then that's a scandalous picture that we see of grace and love and humility. And it changes everything. And I think the disciples knew this. You know, Peter... In the story, uh, Jesus begins to wash his feet. And Peter says, no, Lord, don't wash my feet. I Let me wash your feet. And there's this fascinating dialogue that happens between the two of them. And, and Jesus says, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part of me. And then Peter says, well, Lord, then don't just wash my feet, but also wash my head. Also wash my hands. Wash every single part of me. And I think the first gospel I referred to before also maybe gets this part wrong. Because sometimes we, we talk about what we can do for God, what we, how we can serve God, how we can respond to God, and all of those things are really important. But that's not the first thing. The first thing we see in John 13 is that unless you receive from God, unless you humble yourself and receive from Jesus, you have no part of him. Receiving precedes all service to God. Peter, if he was going to be a part of this kingdom life with Jesus, needed to let go of this idea that God was somewhere else, that God was too high, that God was too powerful, that God was in his corner office, that God wouldn't get his hands dirty. And Peter needs to let go of that idea and recognize that, no, this God of the universe actually took flesh, actually got down engage with my dirty feet and would eventually die a criminal's death on the cross. And until I receive that, until that humbles me, 
I actually have no part in him. So as we think about Good Friday, and we think about the cross, we often think about, you know, how can we respond to what God has done? But before we think about response, before we think about serving God, I think we need to recognize that Jesus is God with skin on. That Jesus humbled himself. That Jesus gave up his rights, his power, because in his essence, he is love. He is love. And that means that he came down, died a criminal's death, so that we could receive forgiveness, so that we could receive grace, so that we could be washed, not just our feet, but our whole selves, our whole souls, and be made clean. So as we think about Good Friday, as we think about Jesus' body broken for you, his blood spilt for you, would you receive him anew today? In a moment, the worship team is going to lead us in a song, and I would encourage you in this moment to uh, grab the communion elements. Grab your bread, grab your juice, and in a moment we're going to take a communion together, and I would ask you to prepare your hearts to receive, to humble yourself, to recognize that the God of this universe did everything. There was no depth he would not go to to serve you, to love you, to pour his grace out among you, and to wash you and make you clean. Would you receive that today?
Jesus in this Passover meal uh, redefines what Passover is. You know, Passover was a meal that they uh, participated in every year as the, uh, as the Jewish people did to remember what God had done to deliver them uh, from their slavery in Egypt. And here Jesus is basically saying that there's a slavery, there's a captivity that uh, is beyond what you experienced in Egypt. Uh, there's a captivity that humanity uh, is all uh, participating in, and a freedom that is needed for every person. And that's what I've come to do. I've come to help you be delivered out of that slavery, out of that captivity, into a new way of life. But he says, this is my body, and it's broken for you. And every time you eat this, eat it in remembrance of me. And what he's saying is, remember what I've done, because this is the key to the life-sustaining uh, invitation that I have for you, this, this full life. Would you abide in me? Would you eat of me? Would you partake in me? Now, I'd just invite you now 
to receive from Jesus, to take the bread and to eat it in remembrance of what he's done in an activity, in, a, in, a, in an action, in a response of receiving what he has for you. Take a moment now. And after he and his disciples ate the bread, he said to them with a glass of wine that this is my blood spilt for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. And I invite you to drink now and to receive the forgiveness that has occurred because of what Jesus has done on the cross, because of his blood that was spilled for you, because he not only washed our feet, but he washed every part of us and made us clean. Would you drink this in remembrance of him? Can you imagine if, uh, if this employer, this friend of mine, went to one of his employees and said, hey, could you refill the napkin dispenser for me, as an example? Could you go around and just fill them up on all the tables? And the employee would say, no, you know what? That's beneath me. That's a job for so-and-so. Uh, I'm not paid to do that. You know, that would be ridiculous. And the reason it would be ridiculous is because if their boss is acting in such a way that there's nothing beneath him, that there's nothing that he's not willing to do, then it kind of sets a tone for everybody that works for him. And in John 13, at the end of the story, you know, after Jesus washes their feet, after Jesus serves them, Jesus says to them, now that I've washed your feet, go and do likewise. Go and wash each other's feet. And then he says this line, he says, because no servant is greater than his master. And if we're followers of Jesus, if we're followers of this God who came from heaven to earth, who got his hands dirty, who showed us that there was no depths that he would not go to love, to serve, to humble himself, to pour out grace on others, then if we're his followers and we're not greater than he is, we're his servants, we're not greater than the master, then that means, it must mean, that there is nothing beneath us, that there's nothing that we can't do to show the love and grace of God. So may you know that Jesus is God with skin on. May you know that he didn't just stay in a corner office, but he went and did the task that nobody was willing to do, that he would wash your feet. May you know that he not only washed your feet, but he also washes your sin and makes you clean and gives away forgiveness for all who want it. May you know that the first step to following God is not doing something for him, but it's receiving something from him. So on this Good Friday, may you humble yourself. May you receive the broken body of Christ, the spilt blood of Christ. 
and discover new life because of what he's done for you. If you're someone who's never taken a step to receiving the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus, maybe this morning is the first time that you would decide to do that, that you would humble yourself, that you would receive from this God who gave you everything. I would invite you to even respond now, wherever you are, and just invite Jesus to come into your life, invite his forgiveness into your life, admit that you know there's parts of us, there's parts of you that are unclean, that are in need of grace, that are in need of forgiveness, that are in need of washing, and that's true of all of us. And the table, the communion table, is an open table. It's for everybody. Every single person is welcome to the table. The only people that aren't at the table are those who decide not to sit down and partake. And so I invite you, Jesus invites you, whether it's for the first time, whether you've done it before, to receive grace, to receive forgiveness. And if it is the first time that you've done that, I would just encourage you to reach out. I know in this time, uh, with us being separated in different physical spaces, what does that even look like? I would just encourage you to go to our website and uh, there's a prayer form there or you can email the office and just say, hey, you know, I've made a decision to follow Jesus. And then we would have the opportunity to walk with you and to journey with you and to do life together uh, in light of the decision that you've made. So let me pray. Jesus, I thank you for your body that's been broken. I thank you for your blood that has been spilt. Lord, I thank you that you did not leave us on our own. I thank you that you did not stay far away, Lord, but you came close, you came near, that you went to the very depths of this world, the very depths of our souls, and that there's nothing, there's no sin, there's no pain, there's no decision that we've made. There's nothing that has happened to us that offends you, that sends you away. Lord, there's nothing beneath you. And so, Lord, we just recognize that, and we thank you that you came to save us. And, Lord, we receive you. We receive your broken body, your spilt blood. We receive your forgiveness, and we thank you for the life that we have and the hope that we have because of what you've done. In the name of Jesus, amen.